Hello, welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. It's good to have you back. Cheers for coming. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the one and only Kent CBD. CBD is scientifically proven to help with a manner of different things I can't even fathom to list on this read. But what I do know is it helps with your aches and pains in your muscles, tendons, joints, ligaments, etc. But also it helps with your mental health. Things like depression, anxiety, PTSD, sleeping disorders, eating disorders. The list is as long as a piece of string. So it is fantastic. And the product I use is Kent CBD. So check them out. www.kentcbd.org. Put in the promo code Granite0 at checkout for 10% off. You're welcome. This podcast is also brought to you by Green Beret Coffee. Like good veteran coffee, make sure you check it out. Blended specifically to your taste as well as roasted to how you want it. So make sure you check them out. It's Green Beret Coffee. Veteran owned, veteran run, legendary coffee. Check it out. Good evening, Troy. Welcome to the Grand Zero podcast. Thanks for coming on. No worries. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on. And uh, yeah, apologies for the previous run around. You know, uh, my partner had, um, she had COVID and then we sort of, yeah, we got a bit run down and I got, I, I literally got caught out. So yeah, that's uh, all on me. So uh, thank you very much for that. No, it's, so, it's no problem. I, I totally understand that. I've had a, I've had a few guests that, you know, life happens. <laughs> As I say, yeah, it happens. It's all good. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes life happens. If it's not children, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yourself or it's someone, you know, something, something always tends to happen. But, yeah, uh, exactly. No, here now and, uh, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, excited to be here for the Greenwich Zero podcast. So, oh, yeah. that's, it's my honour to have you on. What, what's it what's it like over in Australia at the minute? Because obviously you guys went through some absolute shocking scenes. Like at one minute it was like you guys had almost had the blueprint to getting rid of COVID, and then the next thing you guys are locked away again. Um. It- it depended on state by state, so I don't know how to put it in a, a British sense, but um, where I was, I was in New South Wales at the time, now I'm in Queensland, but depended on state by state. So, um, you know, I got fully, it's, it's, it's funny, I got uh, completely vaccinated 
and I still got COVID, you know, as you do. Um, but I got the worst variant of it and I've still got after effects. But there, like Victoria was the most locked down state. They were locked down for pretty much, you know, a year to two years. Like they couldn't do really anything outside of go to the shops, get what they needed to get. Like there was no kids playing in the playground. There was no having fun. You know, there was no, you couldn't go to a bar, you couldn't mm. do anything. So, but at the moment, um, at the moment, at the moment, it's pretty good. Like everyone just roams around everywhere and does everything. Oh, that's good. And that's good. Yeah, it's which, um, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, but um, look, you know, the UK side of things. UK got locked down, I suppose. Europe got locked down. America did its own thing. So I don't know. It's it, it, I don't know the right answer. <laughs> I'm not a doctor by any means. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I don't like to sit there. I don't like to be one of these commentators from the sidelines. So. <laughs> I know what you mean. My my missus is always telling me off. She's like, "What medical experience have you got?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't, but I have common sense." And <laughs> I've done I've done a I've done a little bit of stuff in terms of the body with um, anatomy and physiology. I sort of know how viruses work and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was like. And I've said from the beginning, I was like, we, we sort of just need to become our own sort of vaccine. But the same as you, I've had I've had the three three jabs. So because in my head, I was like, I want that little bit extra just in case I do get it. I'm still I'm still undefeated. <laughs> Mate, uh, that's I don't know how that's, that's pretty amazing, sir. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's the same as uh, my partner. She's had her three jabs here in Australia and she's still undefeated. I had mine and I got, uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I got, you know, use cricket terms, I got run out, I suppose. <laughs> I got run out at 99. So, you know. Oh, no. And got absolutely nailed. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's life, mate. That's life. So It is. It is. So let, let's let's get into the the, the nitty gritty before we go down any fucking conspiracy rabbit holes with COVID and stuff like that, because that's a whole another that's a that's a <laughs> yeah, whole definitely. another thing. But yeah, so from from yeah definitely l- looking you up, one of one of the first, well we we would call them forward air controllers or or JTACs, TACP. You were you were one of the first for the mighty Australian Air Force. That, that's that's an incredible sort of title that you've kind of got there. Uh, yeah, uh, look, it was, I wouldn't say I was the, like, I was the first in Air Force side of things in yeah, Air yeah. Force combat control, like the Air Force Ford, Ford Air Control side of things, but there was definitely Army before I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, we brought, you, we brought a lot of UKSF out, we brought a lot of, uh, USSF out to train us and stuff like that, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's that's the way that went. So yeah, I joined back. I joined back up like I was a, a conventional guy back in when I first joined the Air Force in two thousand. Um, did a, a couple of you know a couple of tours to various places to Iraq and you know Band Arche and stuff like that. Um, got out for a while, rolled the circuit um, on the bodyguard circuit for a bit, and then because I was I stayed reservist. And then yeah. came back in as a full timer, and then yeah, did selection and there yeah, passed as a uh, special forces combat controller here in Australia. But um, 
to stand that unit up, like we brought UKSF out, um, we brought uh, we brought actually a few uh, Brits out, and they loved it because obviously they got free beer and it was <laughs> a free trip to Australia, and they dodged the British winner at the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> they dodged yeah. the British winner at the time, so so why wouldn't you? But um, yeah, yeah exactly. so and then we obviously brought over some US guys, so yeah, yeah. so it was a massive influence from. UK and then uh, US, so yeah, yeah, and, yeah we stood it up and off we went. So I think, yeah, this might just be me being a bit ignorant in, in terms of sort of uh, the military side of things, but I've always found that the Aussies have sort of flown under the radar. You guys do fucking amazing work, especially um, special forces side of it. Um, even even though I'm going to touch on another subject in a minute, see if I can get your your two pence on that. But it's as though that you guys sort of um, flo- flown under the radar a little bit. It's like, why? These guys are fucking awesome. Yeah, it's... We've always been taught to be in the shadows. Like, hmm. when we went through selection and training, it was like, be the grey man, be in the shadows. And, and, and again, we're always, you know, because we're such a small country, we're always a little brother to... UK and US so you know you guys would be doing the heavy hitting and then Australia would just be sort of you know we'd do some heavy hitting but it'd just be like yeah, yeah. well we'll just sort of fly under the radar and do, do what we do so that's yeah and that's the way it went that's um, always that's always as it seems yeah definitely and um I like, I like that we're, we're a small country it, it's crazy isn't it because population wise you are but Size-wise, you're fucking massive. It's just oh, nobody, look, nobody, I, nobody's I in the this... middle. <laughs> Too hot. Exactly. I was having this convers- I was having this conversation with my partner the other day because I've travelled extensively throughout the UK yeah. and UK. And when I say UK, I don't mean uh, any disrespect to any. You know, you know, I've been to Scotland, I've been to Ireland, up at you know, up at Wales and stuff like that. But I'm just sitting there. We're talking about, um, you know, some of the shit driving that we see here in Australia, and I'm just going. <laughs> I said, but it's still good. It's st- it's still better than going down a single lane road in you know Wales or Ireland or something like that. And I'm stuck behind a sheep herder who's got a thousand <laughs> sheep yes. up a single lane road, and I'm just like, and I'm just like, get the, you know, get the hell off the road, sort of thing. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to swear on your podcast. But, you can um, swear as much like, as you get want. Get the hell off the road, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, just get the hell off the road. Like, like you know the situation I'm talking about. Oh, surely. definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I, I have it, mate. I live in a village, so we get we get tractors and combine harvesters going down small narrow roads constantly. It's yeah, it's a pain in the ass, but it is what it is. You know, what I mean, this is all I've ever known. It's all I've ever known. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, well, one thing we have got at the minute, but, we've, yeah. we've definitely got the Australian summer at the minute. Jesus Christ. Global warming at its best in the UK. Yeah, but, <laughs> but what's what's the Australian summer in the UK? It's like 27 degrees Celsius. No, no, it's we're, like, yeah, we've, it'd be like 80 Fahrenheit or something like that. Yeah, the, to, to be fair. You Brits would just be like die, dying in the ass. It's, it's, it's not quite Australian summer, put it that way, but we have topped up at, I think it was 36, 37 um, during our last heat wave. But we're, we're just, 
if, that's, if I, that's pretty bad. If I'm honest, we're just an idiot country, I think, because we're like, oh, it's never going to happen to us. We do the same in the in the winter when it snows. It's like, oh my god, it snowed. We haven't got enough. We haven't got enough salt for the ground. It's like, but you know, it's going to snow. It snows every year. <laughs> Um, and then in the summer, it's like it's not going to be. It's not, not going to be hot. It's not going to be hot. And now it's like, oh my god! And for myself personally, sat in the shed, I'm basically sat in a sauna. But luckily, it's uh, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, so <laughs> it's not quite. It's yeah. not quite that. It's not quite peak temperature yet. No, no. And look, thirty-seven would uh, destroy a lot of people over here anyway. So yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not that bad. Like I, I, I just. Yeah. Uh, you know, the banter, especially when it comes to, you know, all sports, because obviously, you know, um, obviously Australia comes from the UK, but uh, yeah, I love the banter, <laughs> I love the sports, and uh, yeah, I love the camaraderie and stuff like I can, I can get in a cab, I can get one in one of those black cabs from the Heathrow, and the cab out, you know, losing in rugby, and I'm going, I don't even follow rugby. <laughs> I, I'm a, like I play rugby, like I, I, I follow rugby, rugby league. Like I follow yeah, yeah. sport. I love sport, so I do know what, what goes on with rugby. I do know what goes on with cricket. Um, but yeah, I'm just getting hammered by a, a cab driver, and I'm just going, "Oh mate, give, cab, give, cab, give it a break, cab, will you?" I'm, cab drivers I'm are sure undefeated. Get to my hotel. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, man, shut the fuck <laughs> up and let me get yeah. to my hotel. Stop talking to me. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah, I know I know what you mean. Cab driver, yes. especially especially Stop in London. <laughs> yeah. Can't be a bit of sports banter. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's awesome. No, definitely. Awesome. And uh yeah. So yeah, one one thing I did want to pick your brain at, obviously being uh part of uh SF with the forward air controlling and 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 things like that. Obviously, we, we had a documentary come out over here about an unlawful killings, you could say, um, during uh, tours of Afghanistan through the British SF. Um, but the funny thing is, they've got, they've got no footage of the British forces doing it. Every bit of footage is, this is coming from the Australian SAS. And it's like, well, you're investigating the British, but you're doing uh, Australian stuff. And uh, they had this um, Australian... I believe he was, he's a signaler. I don't know what regiment, I don't know what uh, force, whether he was Air Force or Army or Navy or, or whatever. But he was like, yeah, I witnessed it firsthand and it's been a big thing over over in Australia. And it's like, I just want to get your like sort of two pence on it because it's, it's, it's a strange thing that they investigate people during wartime over, over things that, especially journalists have nothing no sort of inkling of on. You've just summed it up perfectly and with the one word, journalist, um, they've got no idea. Um, yeah, it's like, yes, there was an investigation over here. It is still ongoing. Um, I got, you know, I got an interview about it as well, but it's, it, they're all unfounded allegations and, They've gone from there. So, yeah, unfortunately, some people have had to deal with that. Um, 
Yeah, it's 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 terrible. I personally didn't do anything wrong, didn't say anything wrong. I never heard about and doing anyone doing anything wrong. But it's just like it's like yeah, we stuck to the rules of engagement. So yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, you know, and so did and so did it. From you know, from the Australian SF side of things, so did so did everyone. Everyone, everyone stuck to the rules of engagement. There was, you know, <clears throat> they're basically, you know, what I call fishing fishing for crabs, where you throw your line out and you're trying to catch a crab, where the crab is just sort of grabbing at stuff. And I don't know, it's it's I, it's it's a strange one. I don't want to cast. It is. I don't want to cast aspersions on the Australian judicial system, mm. but at the same time, it's like you're chasing down on something. Like you're chasing a ghost. You're trying to catch yeah, yeah. a ghost that doesn't exist. Mm. So, and and when you look at the evidence or what they're presented as the evidence, it just doesn't add up. And oh, definitely. And, and yeah, they're on rotations and. Yeah, they're on rotations that I was on, um, not the force element because we had two force elements there. We had force element alpha and force element bravo. We were both chasing different people. Um, my my force element was chasing uh, chemists from, and I, we were working with the uh, drug, the DEA, so yeah, yeah. Drug Enforcement Administration from US. We were chasing chemists to sort of cut down the logistics side of things and then Force Element Alpha were chasing down the IED makers and you know, we're both hitting high value individuals. Um, both did work to the highest regard. Um, you know, luckily for, you know, well, not luckily, but for us, you know, we worked with UKSF at the time. We worked with the US, you know, you know JSOC elements at the time. Um, we had a heap of elements. So did Force Element Alpha, but yeah, all of a sudden these things come up and you just sit there and go, I, I just don't, like, I sit there and go, I don't get it. But you get a media system who wants to run with yeah. the story. And they, they and always they have that, the they always have that one narrative. I'm sure it's the same. I'm sure, exactly. And I'm sure it's the same with UK. Oh, we, we've had it. Like I'm sure they're sitting there. We, we've had it with um, a couple of different stories. We had one with um, Brian Wood, who's got a military cross for his time in, Iraq, he got investigated. Um, and then we for, for apparently shooting a farmer when it wasn't a farmer, it was he had fighting age male with an AK 47. Definitely isn't a definitely isn't a farmer, but um, yeah. And then we had the allegations with the the Marines, um, Marine A, uh, B, and C, who took out a Taliban uh operative and then shot him again while he was on his way out you could say um i don't know the full story of that so i'm not going to divulge into it because <laughs> i'll butcher the story completely and i'll be like Ugh. but yeah the the, the documentary well, i saw it was they were definitely clutching at straws like i said they had this they had all this different um helmet cam footage or gopro footage and it was like but everything we're seeing is exactly what you're supposed to be doing they're clearing they're clearing rooms they're they're taking enemy fire. They're firing back. They're firing and moving. It's like in the, all this footage, you haven't shown me anything. You've shown me some pretty cool mm. footage from Afghanistan. To be fair, fair play to the combat cameraman, but but also there's no there's no indication that that's a SF group or anything like that. It's like 
usually you can tell by the weapon systems they're carrying if they've got multi-cam on for example they've got something from australian sf and something from the british ff sometimes they swap kit etc it's like it just looked like a regular army unit or air force yeah it was like this is this is bullshit you're clutching at straws here Hmm. I mean, look, that's the media, and yeah, um, British, yeah, the British side of things should know that. You know, I'm sure there was media campaigns when you were constantly in, um, you know, in Ireland and stuff like that. You know, when when I, I don't know which para regiment it was, but you know, the old bloody Sunday days, yeah, yeah. the media just beat that up into something something that it was was you know something that it wasn't like it was just it was guys on the ground that were dealing with a shit situation so yeah yeah and, and it's like who who is the public or who, who am i to judge sort of thing it's like that, those guys and girls well obviously there wasn't girls there but um who, who am i to judge about those guys on the ground like, <laughs> exactly exactly and, and it even even goes down to not that I've got much experience with this at all, but it even goes down to if you if you had a, a massive firefight like five minutes earlier, you're going to be still stuck in that red zone, you could call it, that, that go zone, where you haven't had that condor moment to chill out. You're still, still on the go. So, you know, if you've just had constant firing at you, of course you're going to be in a, you're going to be in a different mental state and, Journalists don't understand that because they're obviously not being shot at for a living. Predominantly. No, that's no that look, that's that's correct. But at the same time, um, I don't I, I can't speak for other special operations or special forces around the world, but yeah, we trained for that. Yeah, we trained for being shot at and then just all of a sudden, you know, calming ourselves down and then doing the job that needs to be done. So if that needs to be a clearance mission straight after, like we've got to clear a couple of compounds and we've got to help out, help out some people, then yeah, like I watched, we were getting shot at one day and then I watched um, a guy run out of the compound and sh shoot at us and we shot him and he went down and he went down with what we call a tension pneumothorax. So he got hit in the chest yeah, yeah. and we don't know who shot him. It was one, like it was, it was one of us. Because yeah. um, he was shooting at us. So his weapons beside him, we rolled up on him. So we're sort of, you know, uh, firing moving towards him. And then then the medic who was just behind us, he um, he sat there and provided first care. He decompressed his, like, you know, yeah, yeah, he yeah. decompressed his chest. So he put you know, a needle in there. So he, he saved his life. And then, and then we put him on a, we put him on a helo to go yeah, back and to get him Kandahar. Out. Yeah, um, in uh, in Afghanistan, yeah, yeah, and we saved his life. And you know, people don't tell those stories. No, they because, don't. Uh, no, they don't. Uh, people sit there and go, "Oh, yeah, you, you shot, you, you shot, you, you shot innocent people." It's like we shot someone who was shooting at us, which we're legally allowed to do under their yeah. rules of engagement. But then our medical guy saves him, and then we put him on a helo and push him away. Like, you know, that's that's the way it happened. And, uh, yeah, funnily enough, um, one of the helos that was flying in support, so it wasn't the, wasn't the Medivac helo, it was the uh, Apache crew was British. And I'm like, oh, like because as a JTAC, as a Joint Terminal Attack Control, I'm controlling all the airspace. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting there, and 
we knew Prince Harry. We knew Prince Harry was over there at the time. And I'm like, uh, you know, I couldn't help myself. I'm like, is this uh, call sign, call sign Prince Harry? Because <laughs> no, I've just been a smart, I've just been, I've just been a smart yeah. ass on the uh, back end of the radio. So, but uh, yeah. it's got to be done. It's got to be done. I don't even know. Is he a, is he a prince? Is he, is he a prince anymore? I don't even I have know. no idea. I can't. I've I've read and I've seen that they were going to take his title away from him, and then he turns up at a fucking wedding or a funeral or whatever it was, jubilee. That's what it was, and then it's Prince Harry. This Prince Harry is like. So I thought he was. I thought that was taken away from him, but whatever, whatever. Wow. So, I, I I've met I've met Harry and I've met Will's. They're both um, they're both fucking pretty cool. To be fair, um, those that give him shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it is what it is. Um, but yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Go, going back to the um, the giving giving the initial aid thing. I remember letting my my missus know that that's what we have to. If we engage the target and we sh- shoot someone and they're and they're injured but not dead or critically, we 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 have to we have to go in and give them first aid. And she was like, "But that's the enemy." And I went, "Yeah, but that's that's the rules." It was like. You have to preserve his life because we are human. <laughs> we're, not, we're not just fucking robots that are just going to roll something up and then, you know, it has, it has to be done. She, she was shocked by it. Exactly. Exactly. They were, try, they were trying it's to kill you. Things, you know. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, exactly. So how many times have you, um, or did you deploy out to the wonderful desert that is the Middle East, uh, Afghanistan, um, Iraq? So in a special forces sense, I deployed four times, but I did about, um, well, I did a couple of deployments out there in, in a conventional side of things as well. And then, yeah, total deployments for me were... We're eight, eight, eight on the books anyway. Eight on the eight on the books. I like that. <laughs> eight that people know about. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. It, that's pretty cool. In the in, in in the words of Dana White, if you if you know, you know, or if you don't yeah. know, you don't know, or something like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So, that, so I did. Uh, yeah. Four, four deployments uh, in the special operations side of things. So. That's, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Is the um, part of my ignorance is it is it? Do you have the same sort of tall length as as others? Because obviously you've got the Americans that go for oh fucking too long. I believe they they do like eighteen month stints, don't they? Um, then you've got us that do six months, or or you can opt to do extra if you wanted if, if you're a mad ed um is the australian st- still similar do you do month by month or is um it, or is it different with the special forces obviously it's it's, it's it's similar i can't talk to the conventional forces side of things i can only talk to what i was doing in the special operations yeah, side cool. so our um our rotations were four months at a time so we'd go hard four months they would drag out sometimes to five months just depending on like for my role when i was the jtac i would predominantly drag out to five months um 
yeah, just to go into the new rotation and stuff like that. But yeah, it was. But what what people don't see or what people don't hear is the the lead up to that. Oh and, yeah, yeah. You know, you're doing six months. You're doing six months lead up. So yep. you come off you come off rotation. You'd have yeah you know, a couple of months off if you know if if that, and then you go back into six months of workup. So you do, you know, the lead up, the work up, and that that took that was longer. So you're working as a mm. unit together and just smashing stuff for six months, and then you go overseas for four months, and then you come home. So yeah, we're, um, we were pretty. Yeah, we were the longest similar. rotation. We were yeah. Pretty, yeah, we were pretty similar with that. Yeah, the longest longest rotation I did was seven months. Um, that was in Iraq in 2015. Um, yeah, they just didn't have a replacement for me at the time, and and look, I, I was enjoying it. I was doing what I was doing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's one thing a lot of people don't realise, especially civilian side, um, is how much preparation for for pre deployment, as we would call it, um, you do to make sure that everything is fucking spot on. It it starts quite slow and then it ramps yeah. up. So you you start start with obviously your weapon handling tests, um, learning new um, new weapon systems if you need to comms, etc. Then it keeps building up. And then you go go away on exercise. You do a week's exercise, then two weeks exercise. Then you go live firing, etc. etc. Plus all the range packages. You know it. I, I remember when it was coming up to, I was engaged to my wife. She was pregnant and pretty much that whole year was a write-off it was like we were on pre-deployment and then basically had like a week or so leave and then it was like a bit extra pre-deployment then i went away to um kandahar and i came back and then it was like you have a couple of weeks off and then it's like right it's time to start up again because we're going away we're going to bastion it's like jesus christ and it was like there's a reason why especially back then it probably might be a lot different now is is there isn't as much burnout i think that's what happens to a lot of especially during that phase from 2001 to 2021 when we've finally left which went really well um i just think during those uh, <laughs> during that 20 years didn't i just There's think, a lot of a lot of cycle. yeah yeah that did go really well but i think a lot of the soldiers um burnt out i think where you where if you look previously like especially from my this is my perspective now i could be completely wrong but from like my old man's era my old man served in the air force as a parachute jump instructor for 22 years from that sort of era they all seem to do like massive stints like 22 years and then like in the 80s they were then that that breed was still doing 22 years and it comes to like the breed now and it's like only a handful stay on and get promoted up to sergeant flight sergeant etc etc it seems that they do say four or five years six probably ten at the most and then it's like now nah, I'm, I'm done i'm burnt out um i want to i want to do some fucking family stuff i i did five and a half years and during that five and a half years i did three deployments to iraq kandahar and bastion and people don't realize even in the build-up to that you know, it's like like we said, it's the six months pre-deployment to each tour. And it's like I've lost 
fucking nearly <laughs> like pretty much five and a half years. Madness. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what, um, yeah, not that I uh, disrespect anyone who hasn't served, but I think that's what people don't realise is the build-up, the, build the overall time. Like, it's not just the deployment, it's the pre-deployment. But then there's the post-deployment as well where, I agree. you know, every, everyone's different. Like, you know, for me, I... I was I was fine. I post deployment. I wanted to be surrounded by family and stuff like that. But at the same time, it still took me a yeah you know, a bit of time to wind down and and do mm. my stuff. So yeah, you know, it cost me it cost me uh you know it cost me a marriage and um you know it cost me relationships afterwards subsequently afterwards. So but that yeah you know, that's that's life and I I chose what I chose. So yeah, I'm sure there's I'm sure it's no different to any other. You know, yeah, yeah, person military-wise across the world. So. Definitely, definitely. Well, I, I like, I've, I spoke about it on here. If I, if I hadn't have, um, if I hadn't have put my papers in to leave at, at the point that I did, I, I don't think I'd still be married to, to my missus. Like it was, the stress levels were ridiculous. Like, and me being stressed, I took that home. My, my wife started developing sort of depression and, and anxiety traits and things like that. She missed being at home. She's a very uh, homely girl. I left home at 20, so I was, I'm fine. Mm. You know, um, I don't live anywhere near my hometown now. I live the other side of the country. But, you know, for her, it was a massive thing. And I was like, I could see the decline in her mental state. And I was like, well, I've got to make a decision here. It's either lose the marriage not see my my daughter my my eldest daughter for long periods or finally take the take the cut and for me that was that that was the hardest yeah. thing was when i did put the papers in because i didn't realize how much i loved well, and, and missed the job yeah it's it's not just the job though you 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 leave the brotherhood you're leaving hmm. the brotherhood like you're leaving all or you know all the brothers the the mates and you know stuff like that so it's tough but I often to I often refer to it as you know the military is your it's for for guys like yourself and myself and you know many others it's the military is like our dirty mistress it's yeah, like a mistress yeah. that you have on the side and and you know it's it's a known it's a known mistress but you know you do everything for the mistress and not for your actual family. So, mm. yeah, it's the same with me. And that's why, you know, that's why I lost my family. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough yeah. one. It's a tough um, one. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm exactly like, I'm good friends with my children and stuff like that, but that's military was predominantly the biggest reason. And I don't blame, like, I don't blame the military, but it's just my execution with the military, um, yeah, you know, aided in especially my being, breakup. With my yeah, especially being special forces. So. Especially being special forces. That's that's, yeah. diff that's different gravy, you know. That's different gravy, especially as. Yeah. You're, I was you're, sorry, carry on. I, I was never home. Oh, here in Australia, I was I was never home. We were away at the at the time. On average, 
was away 10 months a year, so 10 to 11 months a year. So I, I saw my children, I saw my ex-wife two months a year. Part of that time, I, you know, we were just fighting. She's like, yeah. And I'm going, well, you're getting good money. Um, yeah. And she's carrying on the way she was. And, yeah, there was a difference of opinions. I don't have anything bad to say about her, but... Yeah, it was the military is a dirty mistress. That's what yeah, I like. that, yeah. that's the way. Like I try and put everything, I try and put everything in a you know a bit of hu- with a bit of humor. Yeah, and, yeah. And go, the military is a dirty, uh, yeah, dirty mistress. So, yeah. And it's one of those that obviously each each sort of um, aspect of of the military have their own sort of core values. And being being part of the Royal Air Force, as is Rise, and the S is obviously service before self. So that's always. I, I never really understood that until I was like, oh, I can see now that I'm putting the service before fucking, well, before myself, before my family, before anything else. And it's like, hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think it's, it, it does hit home. Definitely. Definitely. Right. We've got on, on this call, we've got three minutes left. What I'm going to do is I'll stop it there and then I'll send you a new link and then we'll do the ad break. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then we'll... Yeah, sounds good. We'll go to ad break. Have you, have you got a sponsor that we can uh, do the ad break in? I do, I do have. I do. Have, I have two sponsors because I'm lucky now. <laughs> We've got... Well, there you go. I'll, yeah, I'll do, throw, I'll the, do it now. Throw, throw the sponsor in. I'll do. So... Yeah, let's throw it, up, but let's throw it in up. and... First up, we've got Kent CBD. And how can I? And and how? Well, there you go. CBD oil, definitely. CBD. I can't recommend it enough. It helps you sleep. It helps you just chill the hell out. It does. It does. And like you just said, I can't recommend CBD enough. And and Kent CBD being local to me, well, it helps. Um, But yeah, I use it to deal with anxiety stuff. Uh, my depression. In fact, they actually helped me come off my um my antidepressants, which is good. I can no longer take them anymore. So that's that's pretty fucking awesome. And you can put in the promo code Granite Zero and get ten percent off. And also, this is the biggest Granite, shout out. Granite Zero. I I will throw that in there. Granite Zero, and we'll throw that out there in here in Australia. We will. And the other one. Green beret Green coffee. coffee, yes. Green beret coffee. It's fucking awesome. That's what I was drinking this morning, and <laughs> it's fucking delicious. So big shout out to him and go and check them out. He hasn't given me a promo code yet, but it's it's on the way. It's on the way. But yeah, what I'm gonna do is I'll quickly um, send you a new link, and we'll uh, we'll get into some other other topics. No worries. Give me two secs. Awesome. Welcome back. <laughs> How was that break for you? Um, yeah, good. It's, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, how how did you find coming back from? From uh, from tour, did you have any any sort of struggles? Were you, or were you just job home fine? 
personally, I was, yeah, I went straight. I got back, yeah, most times on a, just due to the way the Australian things worked. I got back on a Thursday. I was back at work on the following Monday. So, um, yeah, and we just, because you get you get your psychological evaluation on the way out, like so you get it before you get into country, and then you've got to do another one within three months. And I was, it was basically, well, not basically, it was just ticking and flip. Like you'd sit there and go, "Yeah, are you drinking more than six drinks a night?" And I'm like, "No." Are you doing this? Are you doing that? You're drinking so, more than six drinks just, tonight. Like, it's like. I'm Australian. Is that yeah. is that a, uh, yeah. a box to tick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's so you just you just sort of it's we call it the tick and flick test, and then mm. you see a psychologist and you go, yeah, no, I'm fine, I'm good, and then just go, yep, move on. Um, that's that's no detriment to, and it's the same in you know normal, you know, it's the same in the real world. It's mm. um. Unless you present with a problem, unless you can open up, you're not going to be able to treat that problem. So, yeah, I come home and did that and just went went off with the kids and did my thing. And then, or I, you know, pretty much went straight into most of the time, 90% of the time, there was only one time I went off and got holidays afterwards. But most of the time I'd get home on a Thursday, I'd have that weekend off and then I'd be straight back into work. So that was uh, the, you know, and you'd get leave, like you'd get leave yeah. straight after it, but you'd go straight into a different role. And it's just, no. So Constantly that on the, the way wheel. it worked. And it wasn't just for me. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't just me. Like I'm not sitting there playing uh, the blame game and I don't, and I'm not, sitting there blaming anyone like you know when I had my downfall for for anyone who reads the book like I had a massive downfall but that, that the only person to fault for that was me like I don't blame the defense force or anything mm. like that so the military so yeah, that was me and that's on me and yeah I took the correct procedures to you know rectify that so yeah so did, did the downfall happen when you when you left do i wish i wish it did but um no the downfall happened whilst i was still serving i took a i took when you get up to a posting so i got up to a flight sergeant um so i'm air force flight sergeant yeah, yeah. that's a warrant officer class two in the army world here in australia so american world it's an e8 um took a posting went into the training world training realm as opposed to being the the lead guy in the operations realm, I had to go do a tra- I had to do a training stint. So, yeah, I went up to our uh, combat survival school, our SEER school, and uh, you know, survive, evade, resist, escape sort of side of things. Um, yeah, went up there and just started to unravel and fall apart. So, uh, created. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know how much you want me to go into with your listeners, but created uh, substance abuse problems from alcohol through to licit substances. And yeah, but at the same time, I could still teach a class. Like I'd still, I'd still sit there and at the end of the, it's funny, at the end of the day, like students sit there and go, oh, 
flight sergeant Knight is the best instructor we've got. And I'm sitting there going, I was off my fucking head. And yeah. I don't know, I don't, I, like, I don't even remember that lesson. So, yeah, that's no detriment to anyone. The only detriment it is to me, and I'm, and I'm very embarrassed about it, but I'd like to, t- like, I like to talk about it because yeah, yeah. if I can, st- if I can stop one, if I can stop one person doing it, then I've achieved my mission um, yeah, yeah. in a, life. That's a big thing as well, and and uh, I, I've had it before um, where people have told me not to not to discuss the topics that I've discussed about myself um, with my mental health issues that I went through. Um, and I remember sitting down with a previous guest and I was like, I've had people say this to me and he's like, well, who, who, who else is better to speak about these sort of problems than somebody that's got these problems or had these problems and has come out the other side. And I was like, mm. that I've never thought of it that, that it's like, it's like the old saying, those who can, or those who have teach and you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope, especially with the with certain things like you said, substance abuse, whether it's alcohol or harder drugs and things like that. A lot of people go, "Oh, let's not talk about that." Or how about we do talk about it? Everybody's different, as I've said on the show countless times. And if your experience can help somebody, then fucking right, discuss, let it out. That's that's. That's pretty much all I say. It only takes a uh, it only takes a conversation uh, to help someone. So I was lucky. The unit I was with had a, an amazing uh, medic. Um, he looked after me, and then an amazing you know CO, so commanding officer. So it was they looked after me. I got the correct help that I needed to, and then yeah, just been on a you know the path forward, the correction ever since, and. Look, it's not an easy one, um, but at the same time, and, you know, you sort of every now and again, you, you know, you go down your little channels and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's still not the same as what I was on. But, yeah, that was where I was at towards the end of my career. So it just came to a point where, and I got posted back to my original unit and I just went to myself, I just don't have the passion for this and anymore. Um, like I, I love the new blokes coming through because I was in the training senior NCO role. Like I was, I was in, I was in charge of training, and I'm sitting there going, I just don't have the passion for this anymore. Like I literally don't. Um, you know, I think it's awesome the people that are coming through, but at the same time, I just don't have the passion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I just made the decision to move on and uh, it was kind of made for me i got medically discharged as well so yeah so it was a, a group decision between between myself and the medical staff so but yeah 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 you know the medical side of things in the air force they looked after me so again i don't have a you know a bad word to say about any of them you can't beat the air force Air Force is the best. <laughs> speaking for, speaking as a, a former Air Force guy myself, and um, yeah, I, I've always thought that the Air Force have always treated their airmen better. That's that's just my opinion. I think so. I think. 
No, it's the same here. And uh, in my, again, it's only my opinion, but uh, <laughs> I think it's the same here. The same here in Australia. Like people get treated in the Air Force better than they do in the Army. So Navy treat their personnel quite well, as you know, I think. But um, yeah, again, it's just that's just the word according to Troy. So who knows? Yeah. So so with the um with the abuse, uh, the substance abuse, was it was it yourself that sort of had that light bulb moment and thought, shit, I'm I'm in shit state here, or was it somebody that took you one side and said? Troy, what's going on? No, it was myself. So I was in a relationship at the time. Um, <clears throat> she'd been pleading with me to get help. And then, yeah, she just said, look, enough's enough. And she walked away. And I just went, you know, I had the, that light bulb moment. And uh, yeah, so I self referred and yeah, just went from there. So, um, and I was supported from the military subsequently since. So, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty tough moment. Like, it sucks losing someone that mm. you were involved with, and then it sucks telling your job who which you love that <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah. I'm not 100. percent I'm not 100 percent yeah. here. So, but but I had some good people looking after me. So, so that's so. that's good. I like. As silly as it sounds, because obviously you were in a shit state, but also it's amazing that you found the, the courage and the strength to go, fuck, I'm, this needs to be sorted. I had a similar sort of light bulb moment myself. You know, I was drinking a lot more than I should have been. I, was, I wasn't uh, abusing myself in terms of drink, but I think if I carried on, I would have probably had gone down that, down, down that route. And I remember me, me and the missus had a massive argument and uh, she was like, you, you, you either need to sort your fucking life out or I'm off. And again, similar to when it was my time to leave the military, it was like, yeah, I need to make a fucking decision here. Um, and I, previous to that, I tried therapy, went two or three times and I was like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good now. I'm done. Fucking how wrong was I? <laughs> but it's it's like it's those sort of moments that sort of build you as a character as well. And you sort of see when you're at your lowest of the low, you, you sort of can see how strong you can be to get yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just once you get, once you hit rock bottom and you see that, it's just like, Oh, well, I'm not, going, I'm not going back there. So, it's not a nice yeah. place. Definitely you, not a nice place. You push through. You, you push through. Yeah, you push through. Everyone sits there and goes, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, when you get to that mental state, um, it's just sometimes it's a never-ending tunnel and you mm. just sort of, like, there's there's light there, but... Try to get to that light. And you might get struggle. out of that tunnel. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you nailed it right there. Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely a, a tricky place to be in the darkness. Definitely is, which is why I this is which is why I started the podcast originally was to get me to not not necessarily always talk about the 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 mental side of my problems or or what. It's just to sit there and talk to 
like-minded people and and have interesting conversations every i've said that <laughs> i've said it i've said enough times like um i always feel a lot happier once i finish the podcast they've come out i'm always really happy buzzing i've had that sort of that fix you could say this is like the podcast is like my my drug you could say but it, it's it's awesome yeah. but between doing that and and writing my book you know i got a lot of a lot of stuff out out of my system um how did you find writing your book um it was cathartic for a bit but it was very emotional at the end like um mm. well chapter chapters were very emotional it was good to get it was good to get it all off the chest but it was very it was very emotional like uh yeah i hope i don't turn away too many of your listeners but um i shed i shed a lot of tears like you know that's that's fine talking about situations talking about dead friends and stuff like that so yeah i shed a lot of tears but at the same time it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. So, no. Nah. Yeah, definitely. I bet it was. And, yeah, it's it's amazing how many, like, how many times you can go back through different chapters of your life and, and then as you're writing it, just start reliving things back in your memory and you're like, oh. Like, for, for me, like I, like I said, the hardest thing for me was to let go of the military because... In my opinion, I, I wasn't done, but I was because I had to focus on on the family. And then when I was mm-hmm. rewriting it, and I was like, God, I missed that. God. A good friend, a good a good friend, a good friend of mine. And that's like, and you'll catch me, um, and you've probably caught me over the podcast when I say us. Like, I'm no longer part of the unit. I've got nothing to do with it. I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, but I sit there and go, us. But a good friend of mine sits there and goes, um, you know, he's, he's out now and he goes, it takes about three years mm-hmm. for you to separate yourself. Like, you know, he does his own thing, but um, he sits there and goes, yeah, it takes about three years for you to separate yourself from the military. So I was like, all right, that's some good advice right there. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, especially those that are coming to the end of their military careers need to understand unless unless they're not fully um fully submersed in the military life because some people join up and go this ain't for me and then leave pretty early but those that have been around the same people year in year out um for a long period of time you like you said you do refer to them as your brothers and 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 they pretty much are like like family um and it is yeah. difficult it is difficult to let go it's uh, i i found it a, a huge struggle to let go and what really was a kick in the teeth for me was when i started the podcast and wrote my book and i i mentioned it sort of in in your dms about some of the feedback that i had on my on my book um and then even even down to the podcast um i was like i used to call you guys friends i used to call you guys brothers and you're giving me this it's like cheers cheers for your support like <laughs> do you know what i mean i'm not i'm not sure that the your um your 
review that you had that you shared was was a was a friend or if it was just a random person but you know it's it's a, it's amazing how these people crawl out of the woodwork yeah i don't i don't know i don't know if it was uh yeah we all say yeah we all share the similar type of humor so um i don't know if it was a, a friend or anything like that and and look i didn't take it too seriously i was um, I didn't take it seriously actually at all. I was sitting with my partner um, Bree, and we were laughing at it. We we're just sitting there going, like we were literally, and it was her idea. And she's like, "You should repost this on social media." And I'm just going, "Oh really? Like I don't care." But yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm now I, at that yeah, point. We were. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah. I used to. I used to take it all to heart into the point where I would just like not read it, but then my uh, my wife would then read it and then she would get upset. And I'm like, just fucking stop reading them. I'm, like, I'm. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I've known that from when I was a fucking kid. I was like, it is what it is. Um, and now I'm that's in the same same exactly point as you. I, I I I look at it yeah. now, especially those that have said verified payment and things like that under the Amazon things. It's like. Well, you've just given me money to give me that shit review, so cheers. <laughs> even even if it was only a couple of quid, pretty, you know what I mean, cheers, easy. Pretty pretty much. That's the way, yeah. That's the, that's the way I look at it. It's just like you know, I can't please you, so yeah, you're gonna say what you're gonna say, and but you've already read the book, so go for it. So yeah, cheers. And I found that a lot of them were picking up things and it was like only a small little fragment of what the book was genuinely about. My book was genuinely about my struggles after leaving. Yes, the first couple of chapters about me serving and my family stuff. Um, mm. But the last couple were, were mainly about my progression into dealing with the different issues that I was having. It was like, that was the point of the book and you completely missed the point. But whatever whatever but yeah that's yeah. A, enough about those cunts. <laughs> enough about those cunts <laughs> well one thing i do have to ask you and this is going to be my new little thing especially if i have air force guys on especially if i have tac p's on or jtacs whatever you want to call yourselves um obviously uh, the last episode i had i had jared taylor on jt from black rifle coffee very well known for i'm his- good mate uh- I'm good mates with Jared, so yeah. Yeah, so I asked him a, a, a an Air Force question. Clearly, obviously, as a as a forward air controller, you you get to control the air. His his favourite aircraft to control with the Apaches. Now, what was yours? A ten Warthogs, without a doubt. Hey, get in there, burp. Um, and that's that's no disrespect to any other aircraft, but. Without, yeah, I destroyed so much shit. <laughs> yes, like those, yeah. those, those mofos. And one of my good friends is a lieutenant colonel in one of uh, one of the squadrons over there in the US. And uh, yeah, I caught up with him when I was in the US just recently. But A tens, like, don't get me wrong, I like the AH sixty fours, both British and US. But A tens, I. I like it's no disrespect to Australian, UK, or other US 
uh, aircraft, but you just can't, for close air support, you just can't go past the A-10 or the A-10 pilot. So, I mean, yeah, they, they made an aircraft around <clears throat> a cannon, so... A gun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 30 millimeter exactly. cannon rounds, they explode on impact, exactly. they're, they're amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, I've always I've always loved the A10. That's always always been my favourite. We got to go and see the squadron uh, when we were at Kandahar, and just seeing them, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then they obviously gave us a presentation during our like uh, in country sort of briefing thing, and they went, and I was like, this is the most American fucking presentation I've ever seen. But I'm kind of sat here with a semi. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but I. I that was the route, that's the route that I wanted to go down, and I still hold a lot of resentment to my my sergeant at the time because I wanted to I wanted to be an air controller. That was what I wanted to be while I was on on tour. I happened to have a a talent for comms, so they stuck me on HQ and and things like that, being a being a signaller, um, just doing your fucking standard fucking signals. And I was like, no, I want to progress. I want to become a a, a JTAC or a, or a TAC P. I want to, want to go to 16 air assault and be attached and things like that i want to drop bombs motherfuckers and they were like no no you're really good here so we're going to put you back into hq it's like why are you stopping my career here and that was like sort of the downfall then that was sort of one of the times that i was like that nah, i'm done um that and the family stuff but yeah fucking a10s are oh i love them i do love them <laughs> that's that that's mine, but um, yeah, <clears throat> I'm good, mate. With JT, yeah, I was just uh, just over San Antonio with him, not um, you know, at his house, not recently, uh, just recently, sorry. And um, yeah, so if you're gonna send this out to JT, just go, you know, tell JT to you know, go fuck yourself, JT. <laughs> no, I'm joking, <laughs> uh, he uh, was that awesome. He, he was the ultimate host. He was the ultimate host. Yeah, he was he was a he was a brilliant guy to to talk to as well. And unfortunately he had a few other things on, so he had to cut the podcast short a little bit. But yeah, he 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 was he was considering he's not like them they are famous now with the black rifle coffee, but considering they're not like, you know, A list celebrities mm-hmm. and things like that, and he does have a celebrity status, but they're it still remain the fucking same in it. And that's what I love. Yes. That's the free, that's the free cap that I got from. Oh, I get the free yeah. shit. I was trying, I was trying <laughs> to, I was trying to get myself some, uh, from lead slinger whiskey. I was like, how about you send me some whiskey over? And it's like, oh, we can't ship it to the UK. I was like, fuck's sake. So I'm going to, I'm just going to have to, he's a, he's another one that's invited me over. That's like five of my US guests that, that have invited me over. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to take someone up on this offer suit because (laughs) it's got to be done. It's got to be done. So, what 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 else have you got planned in the future for for yourself? Um, here in here in Australia, I have, and um, you won't like it's already been sort of announced, but uh, there's a short film made about my book or getting made about oh, my really? book at the moment. Um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's talk of 
uh, when I say talk of a second book, um, oh, yeah. I've still got to figure that one out. When I say talk of, other people talk about things when <laughs> you don't. So yeah, it's 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 business world and all that side of things is different to the military world. Like you know, yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird, but um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, and I just donate whatever time I have to not-for-profit organisations here oh, in awesome. Australia. So awesome. uh, just try just try and help out people. Yeah, paying it forward. Yeah, I had it. I had a awesome military career. So if I can help military and first responders, it, like it doesn't even need to go that far. Like it's yeah, you know, if I can help anyone by having yeah. a conversation. Um, and that's the big reason about pod, yeah, but you know, that's the big reason about podcasts. It's like if I can help if I can help someone, if I can say one person, then that that's pretty like in my eyes, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Like, Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen to that. That's that's fucking awesome. So in terms of your your potential because short, that, short movie that's coming out, sorry, do just touch on this. Are you gonna be involved in in it at all is it um uh, be, as an as an advisor sort of aspect uh, yeah i'll be there in the background as yeah. a uh, an, an advisor yes um you're gonna but, be in it no no uh, you, you don't want to look look at this head you need to be in it <laughs> need I've, got to. A, I've got a head mint i got a head mint for radio i can turn my head around and think i'm <laughs> Yeah, I can I can think of Jason Statham, but I just don't have that uh, charisma or anything like that. So yeah, <laughs> uh, no. You, um, I find I'll, that I'll I be find, in the, I'll be in the background and make good. sure. Goes that's right. good because I find that there's there's certain movies, obviously war movies or or military type movies that come out, and they obviously have terrible sort of military advisors, and they turn out fucking awful. And then you have. The, the one of the best ones that I've seen recently was um, Six Days with um, which is obviously about the Iranian embassy siege and I had Rusty mm. uh, Rusty on the on the show and he was involved in it and you could definitely tell because of the way it was all fucking made and the same with Lone Survivor obviously Marcus Luttrell being involved in that um, it, I just think it it helps what about what about Bravo Two Zero? What about Bravo Two Zero back in the day? You see, I know when, I... when you've got two, <laughs> like I know, I know, I know the exact names of the personnel. But uh, let's say Chris Ryan and and Andy and, McNabb. Andy McNabb, yeah. You see, yeah, I'm... like like I know the I, I know I know their names, but I'm not going to uh, blurt this out over. Like everyone know, I think everyone knows their names, so. But uh, I'm not going to be nah, that guy. It's all good. But, uh... The 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 funny. Well, to to be fair, growing up, I used to love Bravo Two Zero. I was like, oh, it's such a cool movie, blah blah. blah. But that's 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 what made Bravo Two Zero. The book is what made me join Special Forces. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's not fantastic. not not Chris Ryan's book, but but uh, Andy McNabb's book. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We obviously know him from a different name, but yeah. Yeah. Well, for myself, being being from the mighty town of or city, should I say, Hereford, that's my hometown. Um, yeah, we get all those sorts of wow. stories. So, 
So have you stomped the Breckens then? Yeah, of course I have. The Beacons? So basically, the reason why I'm from Hereford that's, is... That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, my, my, uh, my old man was attached to uh, SAS Hereford uh, 2-2 for, to be their parachute jump instructor. So he was uh, one of the top mm. jump instructors in the country. So they drafted him in, and uh, yeah, he was he was based there for a good few years, and then we just fucking stayed there. So yeah, growing up in Hereford, I know a, a few a few of the the guys, especially sort of now we're sort of times. I know a few few faces, should I say? But yeah, it was it's a straight it's a strange city to grow up in, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, the, amount, only, the, uh, the um, amount of people that um, claim that they were on the balcony and <laughs> uh, yeah, well, 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 it's no, the same, same. It's the same amount of people that know the colour of the boat shed at Hereford. And it's yeah. like, uh, I've uh, I've been there, and yeah, <laughs> I'm not letting away secrets, but Hereford isn't exactly the. Uh, Central organization of Tutu at the moment. So, yeah, Tutu is everywhere. They're everywhere. Damn it. Yeah, I remember one of the first times that I sort of was like in awe of someone was we were in a a pub in Hereford called The Barrels. I was out having a beer with my old man. And my old man just looks looks down the end of the bar, sort of raises his drink up, gives him a little nod. And I was like looking over and, you know, it's very distinctive, the, the shape of the moustache, but sat there was John McAleese at the end of the bar. I was like, wow. Like, Holy shit. I was that's, like, a, that's a living, le- yeah. that's a living le- legend right there, John and McAleese. I, I was yeah. like, wow. And I was like, Dad, do you know? And he was like, yeah, cool. I'm, I know Mac quite well. I was like, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> I was just literally in awe. And I was like, I was like, can I go out? And he was like, no, don't bother. Just leave him to have his fucking beer. <laughs> like a proper sprog that I was. Definitely. Uh, but my man. Well, it works, mate. That's it is. My man. I just want to just take the opportunity to thank you for coming on. It's been a, a, no, it's been a fantastic thank chat. Thank you very much. It's been, yeah, it's been awesome. Hopefully... Uh, yeah, it's been a good chat, and hopefully your listeners get a lot out of this. And um, if not, then um, blame it on me. So. I will. I'll blame everything on you. I'll go that fucking Australian, <laughs> <laughs> that fucking Aussie. Nah, it's it's it's. Well, genuine... you, you, you need you, you need to sit there and go that fucking convict fuck that, <laughs> from that shit country that we that we colonised fucking two hundred plus years ago. So yeah, it's how, it's how we roll. It's how we roll. But yeah, you, this is this is <laughs> this has literally been international week for myself. So I've had JT on, I've had yourself on. I'm global, you could say. But yeah, it's yeah, gen- yeah. generally been my privilege to have you on. It's fantastic, and I hope uh, all the best. Thank you very with, much with, 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 with the selling of the of the book, potentially the second book, and and the and the movie that's coming up. Yeah. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, oh, it's been a pleasure to be on, and I, I, I can't thank you enough. So, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's all mine. It's all mine. Um, and, yeah, I won't take up any more of your evening, and I hope you have a have a good rest of your week or start your week. Awesome. Thank you.
Thank you very, thank you very much. Thanks again, Troy, and thank you again for coming on. Genuine. Stay safe. No